Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can help you lose weight, be healthier, or live longer better. Okay? Today's topic is depression, and the information is for your education only. If you are on medication or under any treatment, check with your doctor before making any changes. Okay. But I'm going to give you some information that I think you need to be aware of. The current theory suggests that depression is a deficiency in brain chemistry, and that has persisted for decades now. Depression has been thought to be caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain or low serotonin. It's referred to as the serotonin hypothesis. Today, I'm going to talk about that theory of serotonin and give you some possible causes for depression outside the idea of chemical imbalance within the brain, as well as maybe some nutrients that could be of help. Much of what I'm going to cover is based on my colleagues, mentors, and highly respected clinicians, best-selling authors, and researchers. Datis Karazian, that I got my master's with, he's gone on to do some fabulous work. Dr. David Perlman, Mutter, um, he's called America's Favorite Neurologist, and Dr. Dr. Daniel Amen, a psychiatrist from the Amen Centers, all fabulous researchers that are renowned in their field. And based on the latest research, we are starting to really question the serotonin theory of depression. In July of 22, in the issue of Molecular Psychiatry, they published a huge review of evidence-based based on measurements of serotonin, serotonin metabolites, concentrations in fluids, receptor binding, gene studies, pathways, basically any feasible way we can think of on how to measure serotonin accurately. The results were very interesting, and it pretty much concluded that, I quote, the consistent evidence between serotonin and depression has no support that depression is caused by lower lowered serotonin activity or concentrations, and even possible actual reduction of serotonin concentration is seen with long-term antidepressant use, unquote. The analysis included tens of thousands of participants. That's why so many people don't get results with the medications or limited And that wasn't the first study to question it. Back in 2020, there was a huge peer-reviewed study that was published in Frontiers of Psychology that noted some of the huge clinical trials on popular antidepressant medications done from 2005 to 2007 failed to provide prolonged relief of symptoms. And in 2009, Thomas Insull, the head of the National Institute of Mental Health at the time, noted in the article that was published in the Journal of Clinical Investigation, it's entitled, Disruptive Insights in Psychiatry, Transforming a Clinical Discipline. So he quote, I'm going to quote him, the unfortunate reality is that current prescriptions help too few people to get better and very few people to get well. Yet, every year, millions are prescribed these medications, especially the serotonin, the selective serotonin uptake re-inhibitors. So those are the SSRIs, which 
increase the availability of serotonin in the brain. So if it's not a serotonin deficiency, what the heck causes depression? Well, it takes a little more digging. It's extra difficult. Ultimately, they've determined that depression is not just one thing. In fact, depression is simply a symptom that has many causes. Just like pain in your abdomen is caused by so many different things. So that's why antidepressant medications may not work for many people. You know, that's just going to help some people who feel depressed, but not enough. So according to Karazian, Perlmutter, and Amen, there are many causes of depression that aren't related to depression or to serotonin. At the Amen clinics, they've done brain scans called the SPEC imaging that help identify many biological causes that could be driving those symptoms. You know, over decades, they've found many different potential causes that aren't connected to serotonin chemical imbalances at all. So these include, and, and some of them I, I think you're very aware of, the first one is head trauma, like concussions. Commonly can cause mood changes that don't show up for months. And, and that's probably because they've found that 30% of those people that sustain a traumatic brain injury is going to develop depression. And according to Dr. Dale Bredesen, the leading Alzheimer's researcher, he finds that it is long-standing unresolved inflammation as the cause. Some of the treatment is going to be high levels of omega-3 fats. They have been successful at helping to repair the damage along with curcumin extract and other wonderful herbal anti-inflammatories like ginger and boswellia. It's really important for our young athletes who are at risk of injury. You know, they have kids these days have very low levels of omega-3 fats in their brain and unfortunately very high levels of inflammatory omega-6. You know, so you got to avoid corn oil and soy oil and safflower oil or canola oil and increase omega-3 fats from walnuts and hemp and flaxseed as well as seafood. Really important. So the first cause, concussions. Second cause, toxins. You know, same kind of things we talk about all the time, you know, inflammation and toxins. Long-term exposure to environmental toxins, industrial solvents, pesticides, you know, as well as mold can damage the brain, decrease blood flow in certain areas that are critical for mood regulation. Pesticides are designed to destroy the nervous system of pests. Exposure to these can be very damaging to different parts of the brain. Other, like other toxins like alcohol and recreational drugs are also toxic to the brain and work as nervous system depressants that can make mood problems so much worse. Okay, <clears throat> number three. This, this is so interesting because it, it's like rewiring the brain. There, so if someone has had a history especially in childhood, of a lot of stress or trauma, there's, there's this one thing, it's called the ACEs study, Adverse Child Experience. Those ACEs rewire the brain to be on the constant alert for danger. This stress response is also inflammatory. <clears throat> so a person can have a past history of unresolved emotional, physical, sexual abuse, neglect, 
domestic violence, imprisonment, drug use, uh, living in, in just a traumatic circumstance in early life. And that shows there's an increased risk for a lot of problems, including depression and autoimmunity. ACEs, you know, stress really devastates our body on a physical and emotional level. As chronic stress causes elevation in cortisol, that stress hormone, and that can damage the hippocampus, the part of the brain that is involved with memory and mood. So stress management, learning how to reframe situations, counseling is imperative to learn how to resolve and process past and current stress and trauma. Cannot be under underestimated. It's it's uh, a big thing. I've seen it happen in a lot of people's lives. Okay, number five, hormonal issues, or I guess that's number four, hormonal issues. When any hormone is out of whack, life takes on a whole different hue. Low thyroid can cause depression. We know that. And many women are going to tell you how imbalances in estrogen or progesterone can derail their life and take the joy out of it. Or anyone taking steroid hormones can tell you how edgy they feel. Or when a man's testosterone starts to fall too low, his mood suffers as well. You know, not to mention insulin and glucagon. There's so many diet and lifestyle factors that affect hormones. And then overall inflammation, probably the least acknowledged but most profound effect on the brain health is the inflammatory response. Inflammation in the brain and in the body can damage and short-circuit neurons and affect how they function, putting you at risk for depression but other psychiatric issues. So conditions like diabetes and obesity cause inflammation. Infections like Lyme disease and COVID-19 also triggers inflammation. You know, in fact, think about how you felt emotionally the last time you were really sick. That's the inflammation in the brain that caused you to feel so bad. So inflammation caused from all sorts of things can trigger depression. Next thing, of course, you got to know I'm going to say food intolerances deficiencies, poor diet definitely has an impact on how we feel. Food's the most powerful substance we take in at least three times a day. Sometimes people eat all day long. So you are potentially exposing all of your cells to inflammatory substances or, you know, sugar itself is extremely inflammatory and it burns up a lot of nutrients in its metabolism. And then you've got genetically modified foods. You know, when you've got Roundup in there, that is acting like a antibiotic to the gut flora. So that's going to be inflammatory in the gut. So you've got gluten, you've got soy, you've got corn, you've got dairy that many, many people are sensitive to. These foods can absolutely affect the mood. The one reason I so love the elimination diet. In many cases, just taking those out of the diet for a couple of weeks and then systematically reintroducing them is going to be like a giant billboard showing you which foods are your kryptonite. Because there's so many causes of depression, there's no one single type of treatment that's going to work for everybody. Further, depression and anxiety are found together about 75% of the time. 
So the next thing, you know, I kind of touched on it, but gut flora, that gut-brain connection, so strong. Scientists from Johns Hopkins actually do call it the gut is the second brain or the enteric nervous system. It's powerful. The enteric nervous system is just two layers thick of more than 1 million, 100 million nerve cells lining your GI tract. Trigger huge emotional shifts that are experienced by people that have irritable bowel syndrome or constipation, diarrhea, bloating, pain, upset stomach. For decades, researchers and doctors thought that anxiety and depression contributed to these problems, but now they're thinking it's the other way around. It may be the gut causing the problem. So researchers have found that irritation of the GI system may send signals that trigger mood changes. Lots of things going on, that four-lane highway going from the gut to the brain. So doing the elimination diet, getting good probiotics in there, doing stress management, you know, you're treating it forward, backward, all the way around. So, you know, for some people, maybe the antidepressants are going to be helpful for a few people, but not for everybody. However, there's a lot of natural options that could be successfully reducing symptoms of mild to moderate depression. There are real keys at finding the root cause to help you feel better as quickly as possible. You know, you've got to do the basics. You can't just use any of these things I'm going to talk about. You know, you've got to do the sleep. You've got to do the stress management. You've got to eat eat a good, healthy diet. Exercise. Exercise is a fantastic way to control and improve moods. Figure out what is out of kilter and don't ignore it. But there are some common supplements that have been shown to be helpful for depression. Of course, the most most obvious one is St. John's wort. Um, whereas it has always been thought to be good for mild to moderate, but, you know, it has also been used for severe depression. But you got to be careful. It can interfere with many medications, blood thinners, birth control pills, chemotherapy, and drugs that would prevent organ rejection. So you got to be careful with St. John's wort when taking any kind of other antidepressants. It can have some serious side effects. So, But, you know, on its own, um, I've taken it when, you know, there was just too many things happening, and I needed a little boost, and St. John's wort was really fast-acting. I loved it. SAMe is another one. Um, you know, SAMe, you don't want to take it when you're taking other prescriptions, but, you know, there was a study in 2020, a review of eight different studies that used alone or with antidepressant medications that showed it did improve things. Um, dosage about 200 milligrams um, for about 12 weeks. Omega-3 fatty acids. Boy, I tell you, the brain is a lot of fat. It needs good, healthy fat. So cold water fish, flaxseed, flax oil, walnuts, a lot of foods. Um, you need a lot of that EPA and DHA. Vitamin D, another one that's really important may reduce the risk for depression. Those B vitamins, love those B vitamins, going to keep you happy, including the activated folate, B12, B6, GABA. They're all real important to make those neurotransmitters. B12, really important too. I I love the one daily vitamin, O-N-E. It's got all the essential activated Bs, plus your zinc, your D, your iodine, your selenium, all these really good for mood. 
Uh, you can also use saffron. Saffron extract from Ayurvedic medicine has shown to improve depression. 50 milligrams uh, is the dose shown. 5-HTP is another one that 5-hydroxytryptophan, um, really good to help improve. They, they, they say serotonin levels, but um, there's a lot of different mechanisms that may be in play. Rhodiola is an herb, about 100 milligrams, that has a lot of potential health benefits um, and improves the whole overall stress response. So if you choose any of these natural remedies for mood, do so under a doctor's guidance, a healthcare provider's guidance. Also make sure that he or she knows that what other things that you're taking, all diet and lifestyle approaches can be included just about any time, but the supplements really need to kind of be watchful with medication. So thanks for listening to another edition of Today's Nutrition. I hope you learned something that will help you or someone you love to have a more enjoyable day. You can always listen to this or other shows on my website, debford.com, or on iTunes. I hope you have a wonderful, cool, calm, and collected day.